Hey everybody, this is Brad Bruce and I'm here with Jace Marsiglia and you're listening to the 5195 Podcast. We got a special one today. This is one of our first, hopefully first of many specials. We have a special guest. She's kind of the jack of all trades. She's definitely the behind the scenes person on this show. We've, that we've talked about. We have mentioned her before. And uh, she's sitting right with us today. Hi, we, guys. Hello, Tina. Tina Simonian. Thank we've, you so much for having me. We've yes. talked about you frequently on the show. Yes. Much of what we're able to do is thanks to you. So yeah. I think it's only fitting you're our first special guest. I appreciate it. You guys humble me, honestly. Yeah. Thank you. I am flattered. Well, we'll see after this yeah. is over how flattered you really are. We'll see. No, I am. I don't think that'll we'll just, go away. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I maybe, feel special being... Let's maybe start, maybe oh, editing no. will tell us. Yeah, let's not start glad-handing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, you and I met in 2016 mm-hmm. on a film. On a film. A mutual acquaintance was trying to get us together right. for a long time. Yes, it was uh, somebody that I had worked with on a television show. And they all, they just kept every day, they would say, you are just like this guy I know. His name is Brad. His name is Brad Bruce. You got to meet him. I would say things and he, whoever it was, would just be like, oh my God, I swear to God, Brad just said that. He just said that. You two are exactly the same. He literally just said it. So how? We had to meet. So how did you guys meet? We met on the set (laughs) on a movie set. Go ahead and get it out there. (laughs) It was on Death House. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was on Death House. Uh, I got a call lucky. from. Uh, <laughs> I'm super lucky. I got a call from uh, a friend, Felissa Rose. Okay. She's uh, a, a, a friend. Um, yep. I met her years ago uh, working on a really small feature film. It was my first ever feature film. I literally volunteered. I really just wanted to get into the film business. So that's how I knew of Felissa. We kind of met during the premiere of the film. And then she called me in like a panic and like frantic like I need help and I don't know anyone else who can do it and I know that you have a food handler's license so I need you to show up for me and I really didn't want to because I was like I am not a craft services person I've never done this in my life is that what she was asking for it was just crafty that that was it she's like please I just the craft service person left Mm. they just left halfway through the production they just bounced feed yourself (laughs) yeah that kind of seems to be a theme yeah it is absolutely so i um i was in the middle of shooting actually that tv show Mm -hmm. so in between the days when i wasn't shooting i i drove up to la and did craft services for her down down sorry it's up now it's down before (laughs) (laughs) i drove down to la and did craft services for her for i want to say a week or two Okay. Yeah, so, so that's how, actually how I met that person okay. who mm-hmm. connected us. Met a lot of people on that set, a lot of really cool people. I was able to meet Sid Haig on mm. that set, Michael Berryman, King you're Hunter ta- I'd already met. And you're House. talking about Death yeah. House. Death House, Death House, Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. You there were a lot of really cool people on that Could have filled the roster with that one. That Absolutely. was quite the cast. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so that parlayed you into Garlic and Gunpowder. Right. Which is what brought you to my studio. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I met her, it was right out front. Mm-hmm. I was leaving. She was coming into work. And it was, hey, this is Brad. Hey, how you doing? 
Yep. And then I walked away. <laughs> yeah, you know, all that build up from <laughs> yeah. from the acquaintance. Like, this guy isn't. You got to no, meet, meet him. You got to meet him. You got to meet him. You got to meet him. And then, then she's like, oh, I finally get to meet him. And Brad's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I that's got... not true at all. He was very nice. He was very nice. How you he... doing? Nice to meet you. Okay, bye. Everyone, <laughs> and I left. Everyone is nice as they're passing you. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know like, what? Like ships in the night. That's true. That's true. Anyway, I really was trying to get to work, to be honest. Well, yeah, with you. and that's so the thing that is, way, it didn't bother me one bit because I was excited to get to set and actually start working. Sure. And that's the thing is like you were on set, so we were doing stuff at the studio and prepping for them to come to the studio because I let them shoot at my home too, mm-hmm. so they were shooting here, You're right? And so right. we were getting ready for them to go and and shoot at the at the studio. So it was it literally was okay. Hi, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Bye. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't see her that much. On that like, project? On that project, yeah. Especially when we were shooting in your home. Oh, we were doing those scenes. You weren't here much. No. So I just didn't see you. I didn't even really see you in passing. Yeah, no, I wasn't mm. here. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was gone before call time. Mm. And I came home after rap. Yeah, and I was staying at a hotel at the time. So I just really wouldn't see you. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's our meeting. So we'll get back into that, but I say we go back a little bit to a little to know a little bit more about you. Let's start with what was it that inspired you to become a filmmaker? And that's <clears throat> literally like you said you were willing to do crafty and all that. Something had to have bit you that you're like, I don't Yeah, ca- this I don't is ca- like, yeah, this was it. You this know, was that. I'll, I'll run wires. Moment. I'll do this or that. You know, what was it that you were like, this is what I need to pursue? Was it just a, I need a job? Or was it a genuine interest in filmmaking or that media in general? It was definitely a genuine interest. There's two big moments that stand out in my life. The first one, I was very small. I was like four or five years old. Okay. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I wasn't allowed to do uh, theater or anything, music, singing, dancing, none of that stuff. I lived in a very strict household. So even when I was younger, I wasn't really allowed to partake in stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I was at some event and it was all in Armenian and they were calling little kids onto the stage. And my mom obviously was like, no, put your hand down. But I was like (laughs) waving my hand in the air, both of them in the air, trying to get attention from whoever was on the stage. And they pointed at me and they were like, come on stage. And I ran up on the stage and I did like the little Armenian alphabet and I I sang and did like a little dance with them. Obviously all improv. I was so stoked. And I was like, this is this is it. This is the moment I have to do this for the rest of my life. And right before that, I'd seen a really cool light show. And there were people in the show that I knew from, obviously, I, I was just a little kid. And they were, I want to say, like 18, 19 years old at the time. Mm. So just seeing, as a child, seeing someone who was a little, a lot older than me doing that, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so I can grow up and I can do that too. I want to do that. So it's, it was on my mind ever since I was like four or five years old. I started no playing piano, started trying to learn different languages, different accents, anything I could to be an actor or just to Really, really to be an actor, because I didn't really know what else I could do. So basically, that that particular experience, the adrenaline rush... Had to have been the adrenaline rush. ...was what rush. sparked you, and yeah. you were like, okay, I need this high. Yeah, you I was know. like, I need to get on stage. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you're all up there. I need to get up Okay, there. so mm-hmm. now that you had that fire lit, but at what age did you say, okay, now I'm going to start, and this is how I'm going to start? So I was, I want to say, 24 it so was, there was a 
A huge gap. Massive gap, like almost 20 years. So were you just soaking in movies and learning the entertainment business or was it just on hold? This is going to sound really bad, but it's fine because my mom and dad are never going to listen to this. So (laughs) I would would sneak out of the house when I was very young or I would strategically plan out my day from when I was like eight or nine years old. And this sounds really bad, but I would beg my mom to take me to French class early before school started. So that was at like 630 in the morning because there were like high school students that would go to my elementary school and teach us French. Okay. So right after French class, there was an hour gap before actual school started and choir would happen before school. So I would tell my mom I'm going to French class for two hours, but I'd only go for an hour and then I would go to choir and then I would go to school. So Mm. I would just find ways to do that pretty much my whole entire life. I think I got all the way through till sixth grade without my mom realizing what I was doing. And then in sixth grade, she caught me. She, she showed up to school one day and I was in the costume and she was mad. Wow. She, she dragged me out in front of everyone. It was so embarrassing. But you, oh, were, God, you were still getting your fix though. Oh yeah, for sure. I you mean, know. it didn't stop me. <clears throat> I definitely kept going. I played music in middle school, did as much as I could in high school. And then when I, once I graduated, it was a lot easier. Sure. I was kind of on my own. I was able to volunteer places around town. Like I did a lot of theater. I taught kids acting, singing, dancing, stuff like that at, wow. with Shine Theater. Um, so I did a lot of a lot. And then when I was 24, which goes back to the question that you asked, I was watching a film. And at the time, I was um, surrounded by people who didn't live the type of lifestyle that I wanted to live. And it was my birthday and I was all alone and I had just gotten these really... It was new medical news that really bummed me out. I was really sad. Mm -hmm. And it was my birthday. And I was hoping that my family or friends would come, you know, come home. I would spend my birthday with me. Right. And it was the last thing on anyone's priority list to Mm. where I was like, you know what? I don't know why I'm not doing what I want to be doing. So I rented a movie on my birthday. I watched the whole entire movie. And I was like, what? I could... I'm not saying I could do this exactly like as good as they do, but I could do this. Mm -hmm. Like these people seem cool. I'm watching the behind the scenes stuff, even just on in the scenes. You can tell these people are having had fun making this movie. And they just it just seemed to click in my head in that moment that like, you know, why not? I mean, I kind of feel like I'm on my own anyways. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm losing anything. Nothing to hinder you either. Yeah. And this is something that I've been wanting literally since I was like four or five years old. Mm -hmm. So where did all of this take place? Where were you living at? I was living in Prather, California, up in the mountains. So very secluded. It was about uh, an hour north of Fresno. So I'd basically have to drive down an hour down the mountain just to to do anything. So uh, first step, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to start. So I took an improv class at Clovis Adult School because that was the closest. That was about 45 minutes from where I was. So took an improv class. Uh, The improv teacher was like, you should go see Carolyn DeVore at DeVore Studios. I was like, okay. Within three days, I went to the studio and signed up. It was great. It was honestly one of the greatest experiences being a part of her studio. She taught me so much in such a short amount of time and really opened my eyes to the reality of film business. 
she really made sure that it was something that I really wanted to do before I discussed like moving down here. So she gave you kind of the, the not just the sizzle reel of all the good stuff, but she, she gave you forewarning that it's tough biz and you got to really punch your weight to get to where you want to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, her daughter was the on-set photographer for the show Glee. Oh, wow. Um, she was she's been a performer since she was i want to say like 18 years old but she like literally even toured with like the army and she was one of the women that went overseas to like perform for our soldiers Mm, there was mm -hmm. like five women chosen she was one of them so she's like hollywood history she's like hollywood legacy she's been around for forever yeah everyone in hollywood knew who she was she was operating up north she was operating up north but she had a studio in burbank as well so she had two she was a manager so she would send all of her Basically, we were like her kids. <laughs> she mm-hmm. would send all her kids over to her studio in L.A. And we would audition for agents in L.A. So she would hook us up with whatever agent was best for us. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Fresno actually is a pretty big entertainment community. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's a lot going on there entertainment-wise. Very prominent in the film business. You even – if now that we're talking about it, if you're listening to this, this podcast, you will hear Fresno brought up at least like – once a week. Especially now. if you're in the industry. Yeah. There's all Fresno is always referenced in movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always well, brought up. Modesto is right outside Fresno and they're just now shooting a movie outside Modesto. Mr. Sid Haig was born in Fresno. Oh, that's right. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean Fresno is very it's a hot spot. The gallows was shot there. I think they Is that the the Bloom House? Yeah. Gallows? Okay. Yep. So that was shot there. I think they spent like hmm, I think ten or fifteen thousand dollars on it. Uh, took it to WB. WB loved it. I ended up giving them another like hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And then they ended up making like ten million dollars or something and like that's... that. I mean, huge. It was a huge come up for these guys. And what's funny is, arguably, I think the Gallows is one of the lesser box office winners in mm-hmm. Bloomhouse's arsenal. It just, I remember it being kind of here and gone. Mm-hmm. But it was enough to get a sequel. Absolutely. And uh, you know, and the girl from the sequel is now. Um, and pretty much everyone from the sequel is very successful now. Really? Yeah. The girl uh, who played Emma, mm-hmm. she is now in the Lord of the Rings Amazon Prime series. Oh, that's huge. I yeah. Mean, that's... And the other guy was on a very, very... The Neighbors or something like that? Mm. Yeah. Someone was on an Australian TV show. I mean, very prominent. Big, big... They got really great people to yeah. be in that movie. Okay. So let's run down your list my list i did work on the second gallows did um, you yeah as the second assistant director okay um well let's yeah let's just run through some of the things that you had that was that was an awesome experience really fun uh alter was another life-changing experience that one was shot with matt scones a great director awesome director producer just overall great person his wife is very lovely the kids are great their whole family is very film and movie and theater oriented so yeah they're all really really supportive of each other and we're very supportive of him when he was shooting that movie basically we had plot points that all of our actors were supposed to hit but the rest of the whole entire movie was improv really yeah so it was a found footage film this uh class it was i think they're like sixth or seventh reunion something some random number that didn't quite make sense mm-hmm. <laughs> they were having a reunion and they were all gonna trek up to the mountains to do like a camping trip and of course they get they get lost they go down a road that they shouldn't go down they end up 
meeting a couple people along the way, weird things start to happen. So that that was Alter. That's ended cool. Up, yeah, we ended up a few a few of us basically were like the whole crew. There was like three of us that did everything. I was gonna say so everyone's you know mm-hmm. running cables and stuff, mm-hmm. and that's cool. Yeah, it was a great. Like I said, life-changing experience. We slept with killer cows, and I'm, like, dead serious when I say killer cows. They were scary. And I'm not talking about bulls. I'm talking about cows. Like, they would come out in a giant field, and they would all line up and, like, block us from going past them. They would, like, charge at us. Yeah. I'm horribly... I thought this was a Kyoto Brothers movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I am horribly afraid of cows. I don't think any... I don't know if any of the cows made it into the movie, but my God, it was scary. We were, like, stalked by mountain lions at night. We didn't know, and we were all safe. But, yeah, there were definitely mountain lions. And, again, we didn't know. We felt very safe the whole entire time. It wasn't until after the fact that we were walking away... And a few of us noticed creatures in the night. Oh, and did you get the gleam of the eyes? Yeah. And, ooh. Yeah. But we were already kind of walking back. Okay. Yeah. So you have worked on quite a few projects. Yeah, quite for a few sure. Projects, and you've worn different hats in all of them. Yeah, I started out as an actor mm-hmm. uh, through Carolyn's studio. I kind of fell in love with making a movie after I got on set as an actor. And that's when I started to realize, oh, I need to learn more. I need to learn more. One of the tips that Carolyn gave me was to learn one new thing every single day about the film business, which was very, very, very opposite of what everyone else was telling me. Hmm. Everyone else was telling me, if you want to be an actor, just be an actor. Stick to that. Don't start directing, producing. Don't do music. Don't do all this other stuff because it really seems like you're not serious about your craft and that you're not going to be that great of an actor because you have... You're trying to do so many things. I don't know. That sounds counterintuitive. I 100% agree. Because I'm like, if if anything, if you're wanting to keep learning outside of the job that got you in or the job that you came to do, that just shows a level of dedication and fascination with the entire medium that I feel like if you're a passionate filmmaker, you'd want to know all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Let me devil's advocate because she's coming from a place of being a manager of actors. Actors, yeah. But no, she... She's not a she's not she's not a literary agent. Mm, she's nope. not uh, like a grip and gaff nope. union rep. She's so But she was very supportive. She was like, You absolutely definitely, take jobs. But I, but I everything. but I understand why they would be like, mm-hmm. don't do all kinds of different things. If mm-hmm. you're gonna act, mm-hmm. just act. A hundred percent, yeah. Because it's like a lot of people that we know mm-hmm. that are in this business do not take their craft serious. Yeah. And you try to work with them, they give the same flat performance where they're just reading the lines off of the page. They're not giving it any emotion. They're not making it their own. Sure. They're not mm-hmm. understanding the way the craft actually develops. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get that. It, that's not because they're distracted by... No, it is the, It yeah. is because they're distracted because they're trying... Well, I'm a producer as well, and I'm gotcha. this and that. They're not really... I'm an actor and this is what I do. So let me actually just learn my craft. Right. So instead of switching hats, they just keep stacking them. They keep right. stacking them. Yeah. Okay. And and the performance is like, okay, I'm just, I'm just, that's another facet of what I do on set mm-hmm. where, okay, I'm producing today. Great. So I'm going to make sure all these documents are signed and I'm going to make sure this location is secured. The next day is like, oh, I'm acting. Okay. Well, let me read my lines as stiff as I possibly can just mm-hmm. to get them out there. You know, so they're not actually taking time to develop Uh uh, their character. And and I've seen it several times and it really does like as like a director, Mm -hmm. 
it's it's very disheartening to see that. So and, you're, you know, you're saying that wearing too many hats at once, there's people that can't, that the focus is deviated. If you can't and, do it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bummer. Like she and I worked on a film, my feature, mm-hmm. and she was assistant directing. Yeah. And that's... Not all she did, but it's what she did the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have to worry about now I got to like don this character and create this for the film. Now sure. on the next film we shoot, she's only going to be in front of the camera. So she's going to be, you know, developing the character with the other cast. She's going to be rehearsing and, you know, really making this character her own. Well, which me... is completely different than wearing a bunch of hats. And, sure. that, and I wouldn't want it. I, even if she, and because I'll be honest with you, the type of person she is, she said, I can do both. And he was like, nope, not absolutely not. And you know not what? I happen. agree. I think um, what I loved, and this is the advice I would give to filmmakers, especially if you're a female starting out in the film business, definitely learn other parts of filmmaking to help you become a better actor. Okay. Don't learn production and camera and all that stuff to go be a camera person don't go after someone else's job when that's not the job you want if you Mm want to be an actor there's so many things on the rest of the set that will help you be a better actor like if you do learn your lenses you know how much you can you can move around while you're on on camera you know you if you're on a zoom you can't move forward or back too much but you can move side to side Mm -hmm. because if you move forward or back the person who's focusing is really upset at you because right. you won't stop moving <laughs> and you're supposed to just stay still sure. when you're punched up on a zoom but if you can look at the camera and see that they have like a 35 or a 25 you know you're fine it's a tiny little lens it's a wide shot mm. you can move around as much as you want usually but it also, then, it, that knowledge benefits your character that's what i'm saying learning different facets of the film business really does help you become a better actor it really does but putting on that hat like you said doing two different jobs It's very difficult. And I know for a fact, I didn't have an agent because of that. Because I would be interviewed by agents and they asked me what I did and what I would do on set. And I would just list off all the things that I would do. And they were like, oh, okay, well, you're not actually an actor. You're you're doing all these other things. So So, we'll we'll see. But here's the thing. I understand that. 100% makes sense. It 100% makes sense. Because if they're just looking for an actor, they don't want you to be. Exactly. Which to me, me, a huge blessing in disguise. I'm I'm so glad I didn't just go down that cookie cutter actor kind of a thing. I 100%. This is just me. I know that some people are method actors. Some people do the Meisner method. I love the Meisner method. I think it really helps you shut your brain off and Mm -hmm. get into the character so you can actually really react because the Meisner method is really teaches you to react. That's the whole entire And and the problem with that is just starting out in this business, most people's goal is to just become famous. Right. Right. And it's not really about the art of what they're doing. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, so the fact that she's even bringing up something like the Meisner method as an up and coming actor Mm -hmm. versus the majority of other ones are like, I can't wait to be recognized or sign an autograph. They're missing the entire point of what this is all about. And they're probably miserable because... I would think so. Inside, yes. That's what I mean. I, I feel like if you're in it for the fame, you're coming to set impatient Mm -hmm. because this is, this is the part I have to do to get that check. Right. This is the part I have to do to get that interview or that whatever. Whereas somebody who's passionate about film, you're like, fuck yeah, let's do this. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready. Do you need me to do this? Do you need me to do that? You can tell someone's enthusiasm based on the fact that they're more about what we're producing and not who's watching 
And when when am I going to get paid for it? Yeah. Yep. I was always afraid of being pegged as like the pick me girl because, man, there's so many things that I would hear a lot of actors say that I was like, really? Like how they hate going into auditions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That's literally one of my favorite parts is I get really? a new. Yeah, I love auditioning. I get a new script. I get to meet new people. I get to walk into a room and make I, I'm going to try my best to make a good impression. But sure. yeah, I like to get a new script winging it. I love improv. I love it. It's it drives me. I love it. When every anytime I would get an audition, I was stoked. And a lot of the times I would book gigs. I would book I did a lot of commercial work. A mm. lot. I know my face is plastered all over like the hospital in San Jose. <laughs> I like I I know I'm like in brochures for amusement parks. I think yours is too for like if you see him call the police. <laughs> yeah. 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 Have, I, I have love you it. seen this man? <laughs> Well, see, I can understand that. I, for me, not being an actor, yeah, I would almost look at an audition the same way in a blue collar sense. The job interview, mm-hmm. like I personally hate the interview process. I just want to work. So, I mean, I could see like if I if if I did have that interest to be an actor. I would probably be one of the ones who would dread yeah. the audition because that's the interview. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you know what? You're correct. Yeah. So I, I went on one audition because when I first started, I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And like I told you, like Erwin really was like trying to. Yeah. Erwin was there and and um, he really tried to get me to become an actor. And I had went on an audition with him. Yeah. And it was, I, I'm like, this is, this is not me. But watching the stuff going on mm-hmm. was very interesting to me. See, that's cool. And I, I and honestly, I think that's awesome that you have not only the tenacity, but the ferocity to get in there and really want to Absolutely. do it. Because I, I would imagine that shows to the people reading you. Definitely. You know? mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, 100%. Definitely. And you know what? Because I, I don't watch a lot of auditions. I'm sure, I mean, most of the ones I've seen have been like bonus features on a Blu-ray yeah. or DVD. But I mean they probably get 70% of the same performance. And then there's the few that stand out because they're excited. Oh, yeah. That was, I think, again, I cannot give give enough praise to Carolyn for training me as well as she did. But I think like the second or third day of me going to her studio, she said, I asked, like, are you nervous to audition? And I was like, yes, of Mm -hmm. course, I'm super nervous. And she was, the way she explained it to me was just like, but you like, you enjoy acting, right? I'm like, yeah, of course. She's like, you like to just enjoy yourself and have fun and just play around and goof around. I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, just so you know, the people sitting behind the desk, like that's all they want from you is just for you to just goof off and just be yourself. They want to connect with you. They want you to do a good job. So why are you scared? What are you nervous for? This is a woman who was, she was very in tune with what she was doing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Carolyn was a great manager and a lot of very successful people came out of her studio um like aaron hill i mean there were i i know that there were quite a few people i mean like aaron hill was in all the transformers movies oh wow yeah like very successful people came out of her studio and her daughter worked on glee for year the whole entire time they were shooting and she's been working since she was a kid Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, she was very grounded. She knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly what she was talking about. And it sounds like she knew how to break it down for people who need that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say metaphor, but like she like she was saying, if the process of what you're doing is what you enjoy, mm-hmm. then you're kind of being asked to this audition to do what you enjoy. Yeah, that was that was it. That for, was all it was. For a small audience of mm-hmm. like three, four people, whoever's, you know, behind the thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're essentially just being asked to go in this office and have fun. And if they think your brand of fun is good. Yeah. 
they call you back. Yep. And she was very clear when she explained, like, just because you don't get this job does not mean that they didn't like you. Right. You just weren't, you really weren't right for the part. So just move on. Mm -hmm. If you did do a good job, they're going to remember you and they're going to call you back for a different project. And that has happened so many times. Yeah. So it's, she was great. That sounds awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. It made the whole experience a lot easier for me. When you were working with her, how long was it before you made that first trip down to L.A. and working on a film? Like two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. We I think it was a two week course where I had had to take acting classes with her. She called a couple different teachers in. she actually called Aaron Hill in one day as well. I learned a lot with him because they put us on camera and forced us to read. Well, not forced us, asked us to read lines. But it felt very forced. I felt so awkward. Like, it was so awkward. But he did it Why? all on purpose. He um, gave us these pages without any sort of explanation to anything. Told Ooh. us to go sit in front of everyone. And then just started rolling. And was like, okay, go. And we are like, oh. And so we just started reading off the script. And I kept pulling my hair back as much as I kept messing with my hair. Nervous tick. Nervous tick. I didn't yeah, know I yeah. I didn't know that was my nervous tick. I didn't know. Yeah. And after we he actually chose I think four or five of us to do that. So there was a class full of like 20 or 30 people and he chose like the four or five of us. He gave us scripts, he put us in front of the class and he made us do it. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards he made everyone in the class watch and critique our performance. Hmm. It was great because I did learn a lot. Like I learned to if I'm going on an audition, I would tie my hair up. Oh, because wow. I know yeah. I'm going to mess with my hair because I'm going to get nervous and it's something that I'm working on. I just discovered wow, that I'm working yeah. on this tick of mine. So it was good. I learned That's a lot. Something. Mm-hmm. Carolyn did the same thing the very, very first day. I remember sitting next to two people, like a guy on my left and a girl on my right. And one at a time, each one of us was called up to the front and we had to sit in a chair and... Everyone who was watching us would take turns breaking us down, basically. So if they think you look like me, specifically, they were like, you look really mean. You look like the bully. You look like you'd be the high school bully who was just mean to all the classmates and was super popular and was like a cheerleader. So they basically told them to just burn you down? Just rip us apart, yeah. Holy shit. Yep, absolutely just ripped me to shreds. And I'm sitting there like... I- I was a Jehovah's Witness my whole life. I was bullied. I was the one bullied. You should have seen my hair before this. It was like huge. I had huge, huge eyebrows, big Armenian eyebrows, a broken nose my whole life. Like, I promise you, I was the one. I promise you, I didn't bully anyone. Right, right. I promise. I couldn't have. I didn't have the capacity to do that. I was bullied so hard when I was a kid. But yeah, I, I immediately was like, okay, so... That's the reality of the film business. Yeah. And I learned that in on day one was the, everyone who sees you is just going to rip you apart. So if, so was that the lesson basically uh-huh. to kind of callous you and toughen you up for mm-hmm. this? Yeah. That's... It was like, you, if just so, so you know, this is what it is. Right. So if you want to do this, this is lesson one. It was literally the first day I walked in. We sat down and they put the chair in front of us and. The few that were in the front that were new all did it. No kidding. Yeah. Again, great experience. Wonderful. Sure. I mean, I'm sure by the end of it, they were just kind of like, we were told to do this. We don't really. Oh, no, no. They were all very excited. They were excited? They were super excited. And then I I assure you, the next week when new people showed up, I was ready to roast. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Turn about. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was definitely like hazing for <laughs> for all of us, but it was definitely needed. It was necessary. I remember walking out and Carolyn came up to me and she was like, you're not going to achieve your greatness until you're in your like late 30s. She's like, you're going to be like the older aunt character. Wow. That's when you're going to become successful. She was like, I promise just work in your work as much as you can work in your 20s. Learn as much as you can learn. And then when you get in your mid-30s, you'll see. Like, you will become successful. Just hone your talents. Do your thing. She's like, just your look, I'm telling you, you're not going to get parts right. You're going to get parts, but they're not going to be what you want. You're going to get the parts that you want and your important, the good good stuff that you're looking for. Right. You're going to get it in your 30s. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, damn, okay. I'll, so while all this you. was going on, what sort of support system did you have? And also, who did you have to go and share in these accomplishments? I guess I met a lot of people on sets and I formed friendships through that. So nothing at home or... No. I mean, uh, so originally my mom and dad were like, what are you doing? What do you mean you're going to be an actor? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. How could you quit your job to go be an actor? Because right. I did. I quit. I was a manager at Subway and I just quit my job. Eat Which a Eat lot of people do. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a manager for a while and it was just so close to home. It was fur. Fur. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm an actor, I swear. <laughs> no, there wasn't really anyone. No. Well, no, your no. birthday story kind of set that up. It was Yeah. Like... Well, we didn't, because uh, being a Jehovah's Witness, we didn't celebrate anything. No, but it, it sounds like even from an early age, it was like, I'm not going to be able to run home and celebrate this. Yeah, no, definitely not. And my mom and dad. such a bummer. Yeah, it was for sure it was a bummer. My mom and dad didn't want me to do it. And then once I actually started working, because I started working very quickly. Like I said, it was like two weeks. I was already in LA mm -hmm. and I volunteered to work on that set. But at the end of the set, they ended up paying me because they were like, you just did a lot of work. You deserve this money. So they ended up paying me. I was okay. very grateful. So I was was supposed to work for free but i didn't they paid me and then after that they told me don't ever volunteer to work for free again know your worth always charge mm -hmm. so I... I never volunteered to work for free ever again after that i always asked for money uh, unless it was something to where i was like a friend working on a project and i knew they were going to help me out on my project I, of course right. th this is a completely different story but that was situation. that was a story uh, you know i told umpteen episodes back about learning to plant your feet mm -hmm. and like you said know your worth mm-hmm it's a hard thing to do, especially if you're not like me personally, being an insecure person. It's not your gut reaction to be like, you know what? No way. I deserve this. Right. It's not in our nature to be assertive and, you know, grab those opportunities. I was always kind of like, oh, well, OK, I guess I guess that's just the way it is and sort of sheepishly walk away. But Brad and uh, actually you, too, you know, it was around the same time. Both of you guys were telling me you've done the free thing long enough. Mm -hmm. You need to start anchoring your feet and telling people, I'm, a, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is, and this is what I'm worth. Yeah. I feel like once I started doing that and I actually had paychecks coming in, because I was doing, like I said, Carolyn was getting me a lot of commercial work where I was either doing print jobs or actual commercials. I was working a lot. So once I started doing that, my dad was, every time I'd walk into my dad's house, he'd be like, oh, my movie star daughter's here. <laughs> so he was, he was very supportive after he realized that I was taking it very seriously. But up until that point, no. Everyone was 100% against it. My dad hated it. My mom hated it. My wow. dad never let me do theater. My grandma, his mom said that like women shouldn't be on stage. You're basically just a whore. Oof. But the culture in Armenia for actors, especially when I was younger, was very different. Typically, women were treated horribly in the industry in Armenia. Mm -hmm. You pretty much like did have to sleep with someone to get to any 
position. Well, good thing that don't happen in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that's unheard of. I feel like at least here in America, I can make friends, uh, make yeah, friends, and I can make movies with my friends, mm-hmm. and I don't have to sleep with someone just to be able to enjoy my craft. Well, I can just enjoy the craft. And, and Armenia, don't you get any really fucking it. ideas because you still have to, motherfucker. So you still owe Brown. I, well, I still, I. <laughs> we have the powder room. I, I understand. Um, which, just as an aside. One of my favorite actresses is Adrienne Barbeau, who is Armenian and quite the career for Did you know herself. that? No, I didn't. You didn't know that. Now I know, though. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's another thing. Do you know who she is? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you never yeah, know yeah, with yeah. you. I know that's true. That's you fair. Never you know, know what? With that's you. fair. You're still... And let's preface this. Let's let our audience know that I didn't know much until I was like 26. You know what? I'll be diplomatic about it because I love you to death. You're still a student. I'm still learning about life. Let's just let's just call it that. You're still a student of the arts, and it's up to people like Brad and I to be like, why don't you pop this movie? In? Yeah, because it's fucking awesome. Yeah, because you know? it was how banned. Many, how many times has it been like, oh, we make a reference and she's like, I don't know. She's like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck what? you're talking but about. But you know what? At least I go home and Tittle. I look it up and I watch it right when I get home. Like, Tina, why aren't you laughing? That was that's a hit. That's a great that's a great line, and you're just like I don't fucking know. What you guys <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But so, but yeah. I've learned a lot because I wasn't allowed to really do much or go anywhere or do anything other than with Jehovah's Witnesses, and mm-hmm. we didn't watch horror movies, we didn't watch Christmas movies or any holiday movies. Oof. We didn't. I mean, there was so much I didn't know. So much. It's like a it's like a bubble. It's like a vacuum yeah. you were stuck in, you know? There were so many moments. And there's still moments where Brad's like, BS. Like, you know exactly what we're talking about. Or you, you've you done that. Or you know this or that. And I'm like, no, dude. No, That's... you think I would embarrass myself like this? But it's I... literally like finding a fucking cave woman. <laughs> so and like times, she you know... melted. And I got to like Encino man her ass into the fucking 20s. <laughs> but what's... He taught me how to... <laughs> Do my makeup. (laughs) Well, that's because you're welcome. Yeah, it was like this: the way you're dressing, maybe, maybe we should try to match. In the in the eighties, Brad would have been considered metro. She did dress eighties shit still to this day. Yeah, to this day. But she does like when I first met her. I was I thought she might have been homeless. Or at least That's like fair. a bag lady. A bag lady. Oh, at God. least a bag lady. You know? Yeah. People that saw... Okay, so I lived here for, I want to say like, what, two years before going back? Maybe, no, a year. A year before going back for the altar premiere. So I got here mm. in 2016. Mm-hmm. I think it was like April 2017, something like that. April or March of 2017, we did the altar premiere. And when I got back to do that, no, almost nobody recognized me. And then I went back for the shift. Mm-hmm. That was like two years later. But that was in. Did you go back up north? I thought that was in I Burbank. Did. I did two things. I went up north and I went to Burbank. There were two that I did. When I went up north, I had bleached my hair blonde and I lost a lot of weight. And the director stared at me for, um, I want to say like 20 or 30 seconds, like where we were conversating. And he was like, oh my God, Tina. Oh, wow. <laughs> so just a total overhaul. He I'm, had no idea. Yeah. I'm literally in this movie that we're seeing. In 20 minutes. <laughs> no kidding. That's fine. Yeah. I was I think- one of the one of, one of the main three people. Not the, I was not the star. I was definitely supporting. But like there were three Still. main people and I was one of the main people. So I was like, you didn't recognize that's me. That's not so. the chick that's on the screen right yeah, now. Yeah. 100%. I look very different from what I looked like when I was in Fresno. I, Brad has definitely changed me 
a lot. But yeah. for the be- oh, for the better. <laughs> like now I don't oh my, look like a bag fuck? lady. Can we not <laughs> made her ass too much. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, now I understand movie references. I and I was able to celebrate Christmas for the first time. I had a really amazing birthday. It wasn't my first birthday because my friends, when I was 16, threw me the greatest sweet 16 ever. That's and pretty cool. Yeah, we all threw each other great sweet 16s. And they ended up like sneaking me out of my house. And my nickname was Kiwi Cakes when I was younger. And they made me a cake covered in kiwis. Oh, my God. I mean, like they went hard. And they, oh, so many people were at this birthday party. People I, did, I didn't even know liked me that much were at the party That's just to support. Cool. Yeah, so I had a great sweet 16. And then after that, I never had a birthday again until I met Brad. And he was like, what do you What do you mean you don't, ce- what do you mean you don't want to celebrate your birthday? Oh, man. <laughs> See, and here's the thing. Um, we have so many emails that come in saying, who is this Brad and why do you all kiss his ass? And I'm like, here's the thing. <laughs> He's it's his show. Oh, this motherfucker with and that shit again. <laughs> this fucking asshole. I fucking hate so you. Is I, it Friday? Yet? I have to. Put, <laughs> I gotta, you know, like. I wish it was Saturday. This motherfucker. <laughs> I prepped Tina before she. I was like, listen, Brad's ego is so fucking fragile. <laughs> I need you to come up with like a birthday story or, you know, just, I mean, if, even if your first encounter with him was just a wave, can you say it was a friendly wave? (laughs) You know, uh, 5195 podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send more hate mail, uh, we're all open to it. It's great. Um, no, uh, joking aside, I you did make a, a point earlier when, especially when you said, you know, Armenian people look at women as, uh, acting women as whores and all this yeah. stuff. It's changed a lot now. It has, but the industry hasn't, unfortunately. And my question to you is, as a young woman growing up to a degree in this industry, doing what you've done, being where you've been... And all the different hats you've put on. Have you noticed any glass ceilings for yourself or any sort of harassment just because you're a woman? As a, I mean, because even I felt even a little disheartened a little bit when did you say your name was Karen? Carolyn. Carolyn. Carolyn said, you're, you're the roles you want. You're about 10 years away from. Yeah. It, yeah. I was just kind of like. I, it was sad to hear, but at the same time, that's what the industry mm-hmm. does to you guys, mm-hmm. you know, to women. And uh, I was just curious, this foray that you've done, you really just kind of jumped both feet into it. Have you had any rough experiences that you were like, this probably wouldn't have happened if I was a dude? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. Spill the so tea. So much. I mean, just working crew, just working as a crew member on a film set that I get treated so differently just for being a girl. Wow. It is insane. And the remarks that are made. I mean, that's one of the big reasons why I didn't wear a lot of makeup and I wouldn't get dressed up. I went really out of my way to dress down as much as possible and look invisible. Sure. So that I wouldn't get picked on by the guys on set because they would find anything about a girl, especially if they were attractive, and they would just go to town for the whole entire shoot. Do you know why? I mean, I'm sure it's different reasons for each person, but... I'm assuming because they're attracted to them and they just want their attention. As valid as a point that is. Mm -hmm. They just want their attention, I would assume. Okay, that is a valid point. Uh, I mean, also... I've just from my experience and I'm not saying I'm not, I would say 
a s- small portion of men are like this. I wouldn't say a majority of them are like this, but a lot, uh, a few men I've met really just don't like women. Mm. They really just don't. Like I've heard them talk about their wives and I'm like, wow, why are you even married to her? Like you're a com- right. complete jerk to her or about her. Like you really misogynistic, really just, just have no respect for women. And maybe this was just a period in their life that they were just going through something. But yeah, I've definitely met men that I'm sure that they just don't appreciate. Well, a let's woman say this. I understand your point, and it is a valid point. My experience mm-hmm. on set when women were around, mm-hmm. as a guy, and watching this firsthand, it's not always they're attracted to the woman and they come onto them and they're trying to hit on them and they and they're turned down. It's not that. It's actually something more simpler, but it's the truth. It's a boys' club, and they're intimidated. That a woman's there going to do their job better than them. I, that is the reality of why they get treated that way on set. You know what? And I, I believe that because I, one of the ways that I got into working um, in the camera department mm-hmm. was someone walked into the production office. There were a ton of us in the production office and said, hey, which one of you guys understands cameras, can work a camera? And everyone pointed at me because I was everyone's photographer. I did all their um, headshots. Headshots. I was like, mm. oh, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I was going to say portfolio photos, but yeah, <laughs> headshots. I would do all their headshots for them. So everyone pointed at me and the guy, man, I wish I remembered his name now. I'll try to remember. But he was like, okay, follow me. And I didn't ask any questions. I just followed him. And I got to the set. He walked me up to the DP and he said, I found her. This is, she's the one. She, she can do it. And he looked at me like, okay, why do you think she can do it? I was like, I asked and they said that she's the only one who can work the camera. So he looked at me and he was like, okay, what's between a four and an eight or a four and a 12? He didn't tell me F-stop or anything like that. And I just looked at him like he was crazy. And I was like, an eight? And he was like, okay. And he asked me like a couple other questions about cameras and just to make sure I understood the mechanics of a camera. And I answered them all correctly. And he was just like, okay, fine. So he brought me onto the crew. I mean, and he said a lot of awful things. I mean, at one point I was walking by and I remember I heard him clearly say her, her boobs or something. Her boobs are going to expire before she does. Something like that. Wow. Yeah. I was just, oh, I was so put off. But I think that they knew that I heard, but I didn't say anything. Um, so they very quickly replaced me with some guy and that didn't work out. He just didn't understand the camera at all. And then some girl had just finished film school. So they brought me back. And then once they found her, they kicked me back to the production department and then they brought her on. And I think she lasted like a day and a half. So they kicked her off and then they brought me back. So I did end up finishing the shoot with them because... Really, I mean, I was just there to work, you know? Like, it, I wasn't there to play games or do anything weird. And then they eventually saw that. And then they ended up bringing me back because everyone else was kind of there to just play games. Which is fine. But at the same time, you still had to jump through that. Oh, I see you're wearing a uh, Twisted Sister t-shirt. Name five songs. Oh, four. Which sure. is just so fucking stupid to me. I, yeah. you know, I can't stand it. Yeah. Which I'm sure if it was a guy... It wouldn't have been any sort of no, issue. They would have hey. just thrown him on to set. Because. Well, between a four and a 12. And he's, oh, I don't know. Let's start counting on his fingers. Oh, yeah. you got the job. No, I hate that. I hate that. But it does raise another question. Are you treated differently as an actress than you are as crew? Because I kind of feel like crew, from what I've witnessed sometimes and heard from other people, you're the help. Oh, yeah. It was huge, hugely different. You know, I mean, I know the talent is the big thing, but just 
Get me a coffee, would you? I feel like absolutely. Ugh. I've worked on with so many- Nutella and hazel. <laughs> have you told yeah. this story? No, I have not. <laughs> I'll tell it. I'll tell it. No, because then that puts me in the category. <laughs> no, of you what know what this no, guy's this talking is, about? No, and is, we're supposed is, to be kissing his why, ass. <laughs> no, this is why I need to tell the story because it does not put you in that category. But um, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to it. We'll get to that. Just calm down. We'll get to that. It's a different. It's a different different story for a different time. I witnessed but finish that because like i witnessed stuff happen to her firsthand mm-hmm. on set yeah it's, it's very different as a, a woman who's working on set as opposed to working in front of the camera yeah uh there were times when the director of photography would ask questions and if i answered he would take me off set and tell me that i was being disrespectful and that he essentially wasn't talking to me he was talking to the men that were on set because they were more experienced and they had more knowledge but then we'd get back on set and he would take my advice and he would do the shot that I suggested or whatever it was but he was still he absolutely was like humiliated and took me out of set and humiliated me and then see that goes back to what I was saying that's not someone who's attracted to you that's someone who's intimidated by you Mm -hmm. and they're in fear yeah Mm -hmm. and what's crazy is like I said by by the end of that shoot they ended up bringing me back and then that exact same person ended up calling me when they were ready to shoot their feature so I feel like as a woman as long as you just do what you're supposed to do do what you want to do if you want to be on set and if you want to work on the camera crew, do it. Learn as much as you can learn. Like I said, I I set a goal to learn one new thing every single day and that helped me out a lot. I learned 365 new things by the end of that year. So just set a goal for yourself and make it happen. You absolutely can make it happen. Even if people try to stop you along the way, eventually your perseverance is going to shine through and you're going to be the one that gets the job over anyone else. And it's going to happen to you over and over and over again. Good advice. Plus, find your tribe. Absolutely. Find your tribe. That will help you a lot. People, I mean, you know, I know we joke with you a lot, but uh, I'd like to think Brad and I would take care of you in situations like that. And, you know, just look for people who have your back. Right. That should make things, at least I would hope, a little easier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why I'm here is because Mm -hmm. I found like my tribe of people and I don't ever plan on leaving my tribe of people. I plan That's on good. making movies with you guys forever. Oh, I know. Native, man, Native American shit you guys keep wow. doing. It's like, this fucking tribe. Wow. <laughs> Come on. I get it. This is the opposite of kissing ass. <laughs> Brad, say Skinwalker three times. <laughs> fuck. Oh. Three times fast. Hey, this is my show. Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. Shh. Quiet, 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 quiet. Um, Daddy speaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jace, shut up. Um, So when we met on Garlic and Gunpowder, you had already been doing a bunch of stuff. Yes. It had been a few, like the story that I told you, I mean, this was like years in the past before I met you. Okay. Um, Two, three, three, three years before I met you probably. So we shot that. It was, it was in the winter. Mm-hmm. It was in February. Mm-hmm. We're just still winter in, here. In 2016. Mm-hmm. I was working on a television show simultaneously. But we'll, and I definitely want to get to the television show because he has things about the television I show. But salivating um, about the television. And I, I definitely show. want to get brought up. To, I want to get caught up to all of that. Um, but there is a lot of stuff that still needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. I think. I know. I'm long-winded. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's good. Um, <laughs> Look who you're talking to here. Yeah. Seriously. And me. Um, <laughs> so we met on Garlic and it was literally, like I said, a couple of times. Right. Because uh, at one time there's like, I don't know, what, 60 plus people yeah. in, in my home? Yeah, more. <laughs> and, then, and then 80 to 100 in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so Goodness. it was 
chaos. There were, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on, and there was a lot of juggling that that we at the studio were trying to do just to make sure the production was going smoothly. Right, and there were. I mean, I remember you guys had trailers parked on the back road behind your house too. So that was like a whole other thing that was. It was like three locations essentially that yeah. everyone was working. And yeah. so when you came on to Garlic as what? Oh, good question. Because I did like so many different things. I want to say. Just working on production. <gasps> no. Was it costume? It was makeup. Makeup. It was Hannah. It was makeup. Which I loved Hannah. I love Hannah. And I'm hoping that we're able to get her for the vinyl redemption. Oh my gosh. I, I would hope so. I'm sure she'll barely remember me, but she made an impact on me. She no, was Hannah very, was awesome. Yeah, she was you know what? She did her job. So and you know who else well. was awesome? Brittany was too. The scripty? Oh, no, 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 no. Wardrobe. No, that was Samantha. Yeah. I like Samantha too. Yeah, Samantha was cool. No, the the wardrobe. Yeah. Brittany. You know what? Brittany models too. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, Brittany was awesome. Yeah. She was yeah. so sweet, so kind. Again, such a professional. I learned so much from Brittany and Hannah. I had no idea that it was so... Because I've seen other makeup artists work and they do not work as detailed and as in-depth as Hannah right. does. She takes notes. She shows up with people's allergies. She, I mean, she yeah. was great. I've yeah. never seen anyone work that in-depth with things. I learned a lot from her. So yeah. I came onto set to work to do makeup because I did a lot of special effects makeup and stuff like that. I had won an award at some point, and Felissa found out that I won an award at some show, some festival. So that was why. She was like, I didn't know you did makeup. Well, <laughs> then. <laughs> Well, then. Like actual MUA, not not effects. MUA, it wasn't makeup. Okay. I mean, it wasn't uh, effects. effects. It was it MUA, was, not effects. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you came on board. Did that. I think she wanted. For how long? I want to say maybe like two weeks. I remember. It, wow. So you, because I mean, the shoot was over 30 days. Yeah. I was here for thir a lot of it. I was here for a majority And that's of it. crazy because like, I remember seeing you like. Four times I know, if that. Because I swear I was actually working. Yeah. <laughs> I was running around working. Me too. <laughs> With your coffee, Nutella <laughs> coffee. Um, okay. This is what I witnessed firsthand. It was February. Mm -hmm. We were shooting inside the studio. Mm -hmm. Outside the studio was one of the craziest rainstorms we had had in a long time. Wow. Okay. Where it was like water was rushing and we were sort of worried about like floods. Yeah. Not to mention it's also in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. So it's fucking cold. Yeah. So they, Crafty came in and they set up for lunch. I believe this was Friday. And correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, we'll think about it when I get there. We'll see. Lunch is brought in, everyone sits down, they eat. And then they're essentially breaking lunch to be able to go back to shooting. There was no one around to load up, I'm going to say what, what would you say, 30 or 40 tables? And then, I don't know what, 80 chairs? No one was around to load them up. Myself and my producer were talking, and I watched you load up all of this gear in the back of this truck. Okay, alone, in the fucking ring. And you asked, "Are you? is there anything else? You know, uh, and it was, no, you were met with a no. You're uh, fine. Yeah, I asked like three people. Yeah, and you're, you're met, you know, fine. Especially the production manager. Yeah, production manager. You ask him, you you ask, there's certain people you need to ask. And they're like, no, you're good, take off. Yeah. And that's what she got. No, you're good, you're fine, leave. So she took off, and then I remember not seeing you until 
that was Monday, yep. you lost a hotel. I lost a room, yep. And had nowhere to sleep. Yep. And luckily enough, this person was like, hey, I'll ask him. I'm sure it's going to be fine. You know, I'm staying there too. They took they took away my hotel room because they wanted to pay for a trailer for someone is what it was. But I had driven like six or seven hours to get here mm-hmm. and I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> so we're actually about to go to sushi that night. Remember, we were all going to go to sushi. Yes. And you two walk up the driveway and I can clearly see that she's like upset. Yeah. Keep in mind, I'm an actor. I can't hide any of the emotion on my face. (laughs) I'm I'm like, what's going on? And then it just kind of like came out. They they took my trailer. I have nowhere to stay. Um, And they also docked me pay. They said I left early on Friday. The day of the tables and chairs. Yeah. Rain and... mm. Okay. And I was like, mm, that's weird. Okay. Like a quarter of my check. But I didn't say anything to her. But I'm also like, okay, that's cool. So I went in the next day and was like, hey. And, and I had actually talked about this on a previous episode where I told the guy, hey, you're fucking up. You're having people fuck up your set. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was taken care of. But there was also a little bit of backlash to her afterwards. Because after this person was reprimanded, they came in and sort of like attacked her a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, they called me into the trailer and, hey, if you have a problem with your pay, you need to come talk to me. And I was like, uh, didn't I, though? Didn't I come in? Didn't I come in and show you my paper? And didn't you tell me that the penciled in? Because he penciled my pay off. Like, with a pencil, he went and X'd off my pay and in pencil wrote my new pay. Wow. You know, I, I, I've seen things firsthand, you know, that she's describing. And I've also seen things with other women on set, too. Sure. I get it. It was just the audacity there. He, he brought me in and was like, you didn't talk to me. Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. And, uh, I you did. know, and it being at my studio, I'm like, we're not dealing with this. No. We're like, we're going to address this right now. And I am a very confrontational, we're going to make, we're going to fix it right now. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you guys can all fuck off. Yeah. Because I don't want that getting back that we're lumped in with that kind of behavior. Sure. You know, because that's not who we are, like, at all. That's That sucks. But it's it's great that... You know, you had that experience and uh, was able to see people co- go to bat for you. Yeah. Which is great. And the thing know. is, is like, you know what? I didn't even know her. I didn't, but it was like, no, but this you, is wrong. You saw an injustice. This was wrong. And, and in I'm, action. Yeah, this and, is wrong. Yeah, that's not cool. I didn't like it. And it was funny because even after I had done it, a couple of my guys found out afterwards. Because, you know, usually with my team... We were always very diplomatic as far as like how we got together and made this unanimous decision. Yeah. But with this one, it, I didn't really waste any time. I just went right in. I didn't even talk to anyone else on the team. And when they found out, they were like, oh, no, I I, I totally fucking get that. Sure. Like that, I totally understand it. Especially my producer was like, I f- was standing here doing, watched her do it. I watched her load up everything and clock out on time. Yeah. She absolutely did not leave early, you know, and which again, not devil's advocate, but it's like, I understand where it's coming from on his side. Mm-hmm. He's literally trying to secure that next job. Yeah. And with a producer, if you come in and you're like, here's the budget you gave me, I'm going to give you some back and I'm still getting things done. It's like, wow, this guy's fucking good at what he does. I want to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And he was also drunk with power. Mm-hmm. 
You know, so it's like you have a lethal combination of all these things, especially when you're not held accountable for the shit you do. Mm-hmm. Like on set to people, you're you become a terrible person. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and he was that terrible person. Yeah. I feel like it also had something to do with the fact that he did come on to me a little tiny bit when mm. he and I were alone together in a car when he was driving me from one location to the other. And he says something like, oh, like, I feel like we're on our first date. And so I jokingly said, oh, really? I thought I felt more like you were like a serial killer driving me down like this dirt road because <laughs> he was driving me down like this dirt road behind a bunch of houses. Like, no, this does not feel like a first date whatsoever, sir. Not at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Kind no, of feels, feels like the beginning of a true crime. A hundred percent. And the fact that he even uh. said it wasn't professional especially because he and i were alone in a car together and he was literally just supposed to take me and drop me off and leave and i joked around about it i wasn't mean i mean i laughed you know i laughed maybe he didn't think it was funny but i didn't think it was all that funny that he was like oh it feels like we're on a first date no it does not no really well it doesn't actually let's see you fold them (laughs) chairs (laughs) yeah so i think it was like a week after that he docked my pay gross i mean she could have folded the chairs faster but whatever that's true um and I, mean, I should have been running. Depending on the time. You should have. Yeah. Th- through the freezing rain. You should have. I should have been running. The whole thing's got like my big brother heckles up. Just blech. But yeah, long story short, definitely women are treated sometimes. Sometimes women are treated really badly on set just because you're a woman. There is no other reason why. And if you don't necessarily, like if someone flirts with you and you don't flirt back, you're treated badly. I saw that happen you're a lot difficult. as well. difficult. Yeah. That's the, don't work with her. She's difficult yeah 100 percent. i you know i'm sorry your dick is so small you nutless pussy uh, but yeah get over yourself and yeah. get back to work i cannot tell you can't stand that toxic masculinity bullshit it's man. weird i cannot tell you how many times Ugh. on set i was told oh you would look so much better if you just lost some weight mm. you would look so much better if you just wore makeup i mean so many things that were like man i'm working behind the scenes what are you talking about <laughs> right exactly what do you mean lose weight put on makeup? see now this those are the guys those are the creeps yeah yeah okay. but the guy, but the guys that are mean to you mm-hmm. those are the guys that are intimidated yeah. yeah different different that's what i was saying i feel like depending on who was being picked on or what they're being picked on for it's like a different motivation for each yeah. one sure like i remember there was a girl on set that would she was very flirty with all the guys mm. and i remember she said something about like i mean there were screws she was holding screws but she said something about oh these balls are so heavy put the balls in my hand and they kept giving, putting screws in her the palm of her hand, but she kept referring to them as like balls, and she mm-hmm. kept saying they were getting heavy and this and that, and like everyone loved her, loved her, hated me. She was playing. <laughs> she was playing their game. A hundred percent. And you know what? Some chicks are cool with that. And but... you know what? She is very successful in the film mm. business now. She is very successful. Ain't she has a something. full-time job. She ended up marrying someone who was very successful in the film business. She's a work. She's a working professional. Yeah. They they find that approach and they're completely fine with it. And there's there's no shame in that either. If that is how you want to be and if you're happy with that and you're comfortable making these types of jokes, absolutely be that person. There's nothing wrong with being that person. Yeah, no, it's fine nothing. if you're if you're not doing it to play the part. Right. You yeah. know, some people are just naturally flirty. Yeah. And, you know, they goof around. For but, sure. Yeah. And but, even if you are playing the part to get to like the means to an end. I don't even blame you because you're trying to get to what you're trying to get to. You're not hurting anyone. It's you're not hu- doing anything bad. It's the hustle. It's the hustle. It, and if that's how you want to do it, if that's how you want to play the game, absolutely play the game that way. Not for me, but 
only because and I really feel like it was just because I was so sheltered growing up I can't even imagine doing things like that I feel so uncomfortable mm -hmm. so it just makes me feel uncomfortable but I don't feel uncomfortable when other people do it and I when I see other people flirting with each other on set it's cool hey whatever absolutely yeah, yeah. is what it is uh, absolutely and if you get ahead because you flirted with someone that is also just fine that is fine my time will come for me mm -hmm. this was your time for you yeah 100 percent. that's another thing I learned as an actor I think I mentioned it earlier. You're just when things happen and yeah. when they should or shouldn't. Absolutely. It'll come to you. Okay, when well, it's your if time. you guys are done whining <clears throat> about this topic, I think we should move on. Um, Cause sure. it is my show. Um, <laughs> you had a question. I do. Okay. You worked on a paranormal television show, I did. correct? I did. Yes. I need you to spill some paranormal tea. Man, there's so, so much. How about just like re is it real? So yes. just set up, you know, just set up where and how this came about and what you were doing and then give a couple stories. Okay. Yeah. So here's the setup. I got a phone call from acquaintances of mine, RS and Chris. They were owners of a company called Fresno Soap Co. It is now an LLC, so they have a big board of people, but they were like the main two CEOs of this, the soapbox. They would get a lot of funding for projects. So they were looking for a female director, producer to run the show. The way that they pitched it to me was the guy who found, and I'm sure some of you are our age, you'll remember this because this happened like 20 years ago. But there was a guy who found, you know, quote unquote, fingerprints and footprints of Bigfoot. Mm. And he got them shipped out over to Stanford. Stanford did a bunch of studies on them. And they proved that it was definitely DNA of some sort that they couldn't quite explain. Undetermined. Undetermined DNA is essentially what it was. But it was oh like part gorilla. Part something else but they couldn't actually figure it out so there is some sort of an animal running around in the mountains in central california a hundred percent there is because he already found the footprints and the fingerprints he got dna he got fur off of it i mean all sorts of stuff was left on the car i tried to leave as much as i could yeah so <laughs> great so um i went in met the met this guy his name was jeff uh i committed to the show and then i realized that uh he only had like three or four episodes but we had 26 that we were supposed to shoot but we only had material for like three or four episodes mm. and a lot of it was like bigfoot and ufo stuff okay so it was awesome because we were able to start shooting right away so we shot a bunch of bigfoot I actually scenes. we were we were texting i don't interrupt you we were texting one time during the one of the bigfoot shows okay. and and i remember this is the shit that was going on i got a text from her and she i remember you were saying what you were doing mm -hmm. and then i remember saying well bigfoot's not real and then <laughs> i got a response five minutes later with i just fell off a stool and hit my head <laughs> and then we that didn't talk like we didn't talk for like another week or two and it was fucking hilarious but continue <laughs> was, was that, was, like, that was my experience of, you know what was I it a I coma that stool. <laughs> it might have been it might have been i haven't had a couple concussions because you had sent me a picture you were doing an interview in some location that's funny and you're like oh, we're doing a bigfoot show and so i was like yeah bigfoot's not real basically <laughs> with all that evidence and him telling you it wasn't real you fell out of your stool okay in so, shock this is the reason why i committed to the show because this guy, he worked for the government. He worked for the UFO department. He had all of the books and all of the like manuals almost is what they were like from the government. He still had them. Sweet. It was insane. So right off the bat, he had so much proof, so much evidence. He was a gaffer as well. So he would go up to the mountains. He would get permission from whoever he needed to get permission from. And he would gaff cameras up on these trees. And he has found, he's gotten so much footage of 
an animal that's up in the mountains that's giant that looks like a giant gorilla but has a big white spot on its back and i've seen it i mean i've seen this animal crouch down pick stuff up walk to the left of the camera crouch down again and then disappear out of frame so like i did we nobody faked that that we faked some stuff on the show but nobody faked that that was real that was a hundred percent there's something out there i'm not saying it's bigfoot okay but there's something that's Un- huge and big and gorilla-like with a big white spot on its back up in the hmm. mountains. Don't know what it is. There's no way it was a human in a suit, though, for a fact. I could tell you that because I dressed up in a suit and went up in the mountains and ran around. And it was very different footage. <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. That's awesome. <laughs> we needed good that's footage. That's for a whole other movie. And yeah. I no, kind of on. feel like I need to see pictures. <laughs> I'm sure that I have some. I'll, I'll have to find some. Please do. <laughs> but... Um, so we had that. We had the Bigfoot stuff. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of video footage of UFOs that he'd seen flying over Fresno. So we had that. Again, we had all his manuals and stuff from when he worked for the government. But we didn't air any of that. But the reason I hund- uh, even more so believed him was day one of shooting. He warned me that I did work for the government and I am being watched. I am being listened to. And we were like, okay. <laughs> Okay, Jeff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Um, But no, uh, the second we started shooting, and it was every single episode, the second we started shooting, there were helicopters that would fly above us the whole time we were shooting. And as soon as we would wrap, the helicopters would leave. And it was at every location that we went to. And it, there's, it wasn't a coincidence. There was at least like six of us on set each time. So it wasn't a coincidence. We were 100% being watched and listened to because he's worked for the government. They haven't stopped the tabs on him yet. So for sure, hmm. there's there's weird stuff. And he knows and he does have the truth for sure. So the truth is out there. The truth is out there. People yeah. do know it. It is real. I know it's weird and really dorky to say and to be so passionate about this. To be like, no, this is real. But it is. It's real. There's something out there and there definitely is something in the sky. So because he had so much evidence, I ended up interviewing a bunch of uh, friends that were pilots. Mm. I just I don't know how I ended up meeting people that were pilots, but they were actors. And I asked a few of them if they had any experiences up in the sky while they were up there. And they said, yeah. I have a few of my friends have that were not actors. They were just regular pilots. So we ended up going to a hangar and shooting with a bunch of different pilots, and they told us all the different stories that they had. Two of them were actors, but another, a few of them weren't. Um, but they all had crazy stories, seeing things just zoom past them. That things sounds that, wild. The, things that wouldn't even pop up on like their radar. On. The, that's them. That? Those are the choppers. They're here. They're here. Quick. Close the shades, please. <laughs> we're not home. <laughs> Run silent. Run deep. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, that's um, but the, wild. Yeah, the choppers definitely made it very real for us. They, it was real. So that stuff, I did. I went into it not believing in Bigfoot and not really believing in UFOs. But I mean, when you're when you when you're shown so much when you're evidence, confronted, yeah. Hmm. How are how am I supposed to say no? I mean, he had so much so much footage, so much evidence, and we interviewed so many people. There was one person we interviewed, and he it was him, Jeff, and one other person. The three of them went up to the mountains to gaff a bunch of cameras. And they put, put they put the cameras up, they got into the car, and they started driving back. And then it was daytime. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, it was nighttime. They said that they lost all memory. They have no idea what happened. They what? lost like four hours where 
they put up these cameras and then four hours of their life was just gone. And they all came to like in the car. And, and I bet they you all that footage out. is unaccounted for as well. So I'm not sure what happened. I don't not off the top of my it was a couple of years ago. I don't really remember what happened to that footage. I'm sure he did have it, but you know, they didn't catch any because the cameras were pointed towards the forest. So he put the cameras up and he got down, got into the car, and that's the last thing and they then, remember is all of them getting into the car and then boom, it's nighttime. And they're all still in the car and four hours has passed. So it freaked this guy out. Oh, I think at one point they started driving and they saw like a flash of light or something behind them. So they freaked out. The flash of light might have been nothing. It might have just been like the adrenaline rush that they were already on, you know? One of the guys, I can't remember his name. It wasn't Jeff and it wasn't his good friend. It was the third guy. He had a few UFO encounters after that to the point where he wouldn't even leave his house. Oh my gosh. It scarred him so badly because whatever, whatever it was that freaked them out followed him specifically oh my god and when he came to do the show he said he hadn't been out much since then it had he'd been out like three or four days total and it had been like years since this this had happened and he was very adamant on i need to be home before nightfall like whatever you're doing wrap it up because i gotta go home like i cannot be out when it's dark outside because he's so traumatized so like for the rest of his life i'm pretty sure this guy's never gonna go out at night so it's just hard for me to not believe That's wild, him because man. he is really traumatized. His daughter had to drive him. His daughter had to come pick him up. His daughter vouched for everything and was like, yeah, no, my dad, something happened to my dad and he's changed now. He's That's changed crazy. for life. They don't think they were abducted or anything like that, but they just don't know what happened. It's wild, but man, I love stories like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So name of the show, where did it air? Paranormal Central. It aired on the CW station. We had those episodes and then we, it aired... Uh, every Saturday after Arrow. Oh wow, you were behind a pretty popular show. Yeah, we we. It's a we, good slot. We were a pretty pop. We had really good ratings. We had a really good show because those were like the first three or four episodes, and then unfortunately, like how much am I supposed to do on that? You know, we yeah. had twenty six episodes to do, so I got like three episodes out of that. And then um, <clears throat> the year before, they had gone to this place called the Sanger Herald. Uh, it wasn't with me or my group. But before this, I had worked on uh, with the Gallows people. Mm -hmm. They did like a live interactive show for the first movie. And I did that with them. And I met a lot of really cool people working on that production. So one of them was a whole family of real life mediums. Oh, geez. She, wow. her daughter and her son all have some sort of spiritual calling. Her youngest half daughter does not. Okay. She's supportive, but she doesn't. Her husband doesn't. But she and her son and daughter do. So they kept seeing ghosts and spirits and, you know, I don't know what stuff like that when we were shooting that production or when we were working on that production, mm -hmm. that live one. So I just knew that I had that in the back of my mind. So when we were going to go shoot at the Sanger Herald and how there were supposedly ghosts there, um, I didn't tell them anything. I just said I needed them to show up to a spot. It was like down the street from the Sanger Herald. So there's no way they could have looked it up or anything. I just told them they had to show up and just walk around. So they showed up. I went and I ended up like picking them up and bringing them to the Sanger Herald because, again, I wanted them to be to not know fresh. anything. Yeah, I wanted, wanted fresh readings. Absolutely. Because I didn't know. Like, Do I really trust these people? Do I believe them? I don't know. They just don't like tricky answers. Uh, yeah, for sure. So that? Tina, it's from a movie called Poltergeist. By I love Poltergeist. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> hey, do you know, guys know that that's a PG? 
Yeah. I think, yeah. We, we just learned that the other day. We just learned of the infamous 80s PG. It's just crazy. It was a scary movie. Yeah, man. But yeah, the, um, I brought them into the Sanger Herald, and I had them walk around, and they mentioned a few things. They mentioned that they saw a couple spirits, but this is stuff that they could have technically known if they had watched the previous show the year before, or if they knew of the area. It's stuff that they could have known. Sure. And then there was one thing that they brought up about a man up in like the balcony part of the Herald throwing things down at some of the employees that worked there. He just liked to play tricks on them and he would like throw heavy things off and like try to hit them in the head. Dick. Yeah. So nobody else knew about that and they knew about it wow. and they went and they, they talked about it on camera. So when the owner of the Sanger Herald showed up, because we shot I think three or four days there, I had a whole plan. He was very shocked. He was like, "This is this is the these are the first people that I've ever guessed that." So I put all of that. We compiled that footage that night, put it on a laptop. We had our two um, hosts get in the attic of the Sanger Herald. It was super super scary, and had them watch uh, my the mediums walk around. We ended up scaring them. We got a good little good little you know episode out of that. We weren't we didn't think too much about that. We were like, "Okay, cool. We set them up. We got the medium thing. We're done." You know, right. Um, let's have one more group of people come in just for flair. So we brought in fans of the show that had been fans of the show because Jeff has been doing podcasts for like 13 years or something like that at the time. I think it was 13 years, mm -hmm. 20 years now, I'm sure. Um, so he had long time fans and they really wanted to be on the show. So we called these like six or seven people in. We brought them in one at a time. We showed them all the footage, the footage of the mediums, the footage of my hosts being scared you know, how we like, we told them, like, we set them up, we scared them, ha ha. Mm -hmm. um, but like, what do you, what do you think? Do you believe the mediums? Do you think that the hosts were just scared because the mediums were here before? You know, we were, we, our show was to disprove ghosts, disprove Bigfoot, disprove you know, all that stuff. Debunk. Debunk. I, especially uh, that one host, Hillary. That was her goal was to debunk everything. She was the skeptic. She didn't believe in a single thing. But we put them all in this room and we, I, I was interviewing all these people and the, every single person at the end of it, I asked if there was a ghost in this room or a spirit, would you want them to make themselves known? And one of the guys who was really into the show, he was the number one fan. He was like, oh my God, yeah, I would love that. If there's a spirit here, absolutely. I want to hear him now. And like right there to the left of us, we hear a little girl's voice giggling like clear as day shut the fuck up clear as day like you could have dropped a pin and heard it it was dead silent he said yeah i want to hear it and then we heard the girl giggle and then something moved mm. and we all we all like froze he was so excited it was yeah. like <laughs> he was stoked he was like no way that's it was weird. wild, dude. And of course, we all had weird things happen to our camera, to our Zoom, to our audio player. We would lose audio. We would lose footage. Cameras would turn on and off by themselves when we were shooting because we had like five cameras going and we'd walk back to one of them and it was off. That's that electromagnetic interference. Yeah, absolutely. The weird stuff was happening for sure. But we, I didn't really believe it. I didn't believe in the, it too much until... I mean, there was one other experience I'd had before that at the Memorial Auditorium in Fresno where doors were slamming by themselves and a chair moved and mm. chandeliers moved 
and bench seats fell down when we were walking. So there was like a lot of things that happened. So it's I kind of activity. It was a lot of activity. But if you think about it, they had all of the items from like the war inside this memorial. Oh, sure. Auditory. Yeah. So yeah. it was just a huge bad, history museum. Bad energy in the air. hundred percent. So a lot of stuff <clears throat> happened there. Not to mention we were doing it for the gallows. So, yeah. so on top of it, we Makes were doing sense. something yeah, like spiritual and weird. So it was definitely the spirits were up and awake <laughs> and you know some so a little bit of time had passed before i started doing the show so i'd kind of like forgotten a little a little bit of like the fear you know of like the reality of it and then when we heard that little girl's voice we were like oh yeah no we're 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 fucked right yeah. now we're fucked like there's something in the room please we're, don't attach we're leaving to us. now yeah we're leaving ab- absolutely we left pretty quickly after that we wow. had one of the mediums was there she came and to talk to the little girl <laughs> and try to like release the little girl ha- try to get the little girl to like leave the Sanger Herald but she said that whatever spirits were there didn't want to leave the history of the Sanger Herald was the underneath it was all the tunnels that they would use to smuggle alcohol during the prohibition Ooh. and those tunnels led all the way to Chinatown in Fresno so that was like our huge thing. We were going to take that segment and then go and like break down a wall in Chinatown to try to get to like the other tunnels because it was in a restaurant. Like we got permission from this restaurant and it was too much for me. I'm going to be honest. It was nice. a little too much. I was a little afraid. There was a night that they went out to go find Bigfoot as well. That was also too much for me. I did not go. Mm-hmm. I, I did half of the show. I committed to half and then I gave the other half to Chris and RS. Sounds awesome, though. Man, it was scary. And I'm so glad I didn't go because I heard stories after. And they're all traumatized and I'm not. So uh, mm. <laughs> because they felt like there was something watching them in the forest the whole time. And they were kind of being circled. Sounds like a chopper. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, a lot, sounds a lot like a government chopper. You crazy. Know, it was crazy experiences. That gives me two ideas. We need to do a live show from a haunted destination agreed and two we should have a show where we share our frightening stories good idea because we, we got, should we i got more we got a couple too that's a great idea i think that's fucking cool yeah. now we just got to figure out where we, we will you know we'll figure out where to go i mean i, I have mean, a couple there's of plenty of places in fresno we still have access to i'm sure just let me know <laughs> i mean do you want to take a six hour road trip i don't know all right, get your bag. Let's go. Okay. All right, Sounds good All right goodbye. No. Bye, guys. See you. Um, <laughs> so how long did you do the show? I did the show for 13 episodes, so ooh, I want to say like 12, 10 weeks maybe. So a full season, essentially. Or half, I did half a season. The full season was 26 episodes. Yeah, I was going to say. So for, they did it every. For CW, they usually, yeah, their seasons are pretty episodes, long. episodes, an hour-long episode, each one. Yeah. Uh, I don't like TV. But. It was hard, man. It was hard to do. I remember, they hired me oof. like two weeks before it aired. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so we were shooting while it was hustle. on the air. Oh, fuck yeah. I remember doing some stuff at CBS and we were, we were actually shooting a film at CBS, but then there were a bunch of people there that were working on uh, a, a soap opera mm-hmm. and they were talking about how they shoot like... I mean, I know I'm I'm gonna fuck this all up, but it was insane. They were shooting like a hundred and 
47 pages a day. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? Guess what? Soap operas, they change the script the day of. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. Well, I mean, they're... All the time. Yeah. That's why, like, the, the scripts look like rainbows because yeah. you're going to get red and yellow and green and blue, all these different pages. But I remember, like, going down to the set of The Bold and the Beautiful mm-hmm. in CBS and literally just, like, standing in this hallway and there's this all these flats just, like, backed into this big uh, i don't know some sort of corral Mm -hmm. and it was literally like so-and-so's mansion so-and-so's this Mm so-and-so's office so and they're like pulling these things out and they're setting up these different locations and like just the blink of an eye yeah Mm -hmm. you know and they're just shooting like and everything is pre-lit they're ready to go and i'm just like fuck that very running no thanks and so hard I, i just don't want i don't like no no, no TV for me. Yeah, no TV for I'm me. I'm with you. I'm never. I don't think, unless it's like an amazing, unless it's Harry Potter, I don't think I'm ever gonna do a TV show. I've written, I've written for television a couple yeah. of times, and yeah. even that, just a hectic. It was. It was scary. Process. It was almost like mm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I told the guy that was like managing me at the time. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do TV anymore. Yeah. Like this is not a good fit. Yeah. It was hard. We'd show up to our locations, and because it was so. You know, our show was a little different. We had to interview a lot of people. If someone didn't show up, it was like, well, shit, what are we going to do now? Yeah. We no. lost our whole segment. Eesh. Like, what are we going to do? How am I going to remedy this right now? Because I can't lose a shooting day. We're already into the season. I got hired on late. So how do we, how do we pull something out of our ass no. now, right, basically? Right. That's wild. It was crazy. Yeah, that's... So sounds- you did that. So after that, what? After that, that's when I met you was... While I was working on that. So I wrapped that up. I kind of started working with you. We did Desolate. That took 28 days. How many days was that? Are you kidding me? Desolate? Yeah, Desolate. Like shooting or the whole? The whole. No, well, I think it was 28 days, like the whole thing with rehearsals and everything. I think you planned for a 28-day shoot. Well, yeah, Yeah, I mean, if you were to put it like in daytime, I mean. Yeah. Because, I mean, we busted up a lot of the rehearsals, mm-hmm. um, not to mention all the set design. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we... We had a lot of days I'm, on set. You know what? I'm really fortunate for the people that worked with me on that because I was such an, like, anal retentive asshole on that set because, mm. like, I really needed what? this house to be... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I wanted this house to be real because shooting a, f- a film in one location... Is it is? It's very like, especially for your first film. It, yeah, come on. It can get boring fast if you're, well, yeah, not, if you're not careful. Used, yeah, yeah. So I needed to make sure that the <laughs> house looked good, and then oh. um, it was believable. Like it had to be believable, and that was super hard because, like, a lot. I was fought a couple of times for some of the decisions I wanted to make. And I was like, no, I don't want to build sets. Because I was like, you know what? Just build a kitchen and put it over here. Right. Build a living room, put it over here. I'm like, then we're just cutting like crazy. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes where the guys are in the back of the room, but then when they hang out by the fireplace, that's still in the in the background. Yeah. You know, or like when they're in the, where the fireplace is, you can see the kitchen. So if it was all split up, it would be a continuity night. Yeah, it would 100%. be. It would look like a three camera uh, situation comedy. And right. I'm a psycho with continuity. I need oh, it to look too. right. I've yeah. gotten into fights with directors because <laughs> not you, 
different directors because <laughs> because the continuity was off. Good backpedal. We can't. Not you. Don't yeah. forget. Not you. Yeah. Be careful. We Be only careful. got into one thing you want, on You guys set. want this show to air? <laughs> <laughs> there was only one continuity thing issue we had on Desolate, and I had your back because we were trying to explain to someone Oh, how my God. Is this the fucking whiskey <laughs> the bottle? bottle? Yeah, we were trying to explain to him how the bottle cannot jump from one one place to the other. Like, you can't move the bottle that's on the table for your continuity purposes because it's going to look wrong. It's going to look like it's jumping. Mm. And, like, it was so difficult trying to explain that to someone. That it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we're not... We're, I think by the end of it, we were like, how about we shoot it your way and then we'll shoot it our way and then we'll watch it. I mean, that's we'll usually see. how I do it with, like, yeah. a lot of things. Uh-huh. Like, it's just... Because there's a time where you know what? Hey, I could be wrong. But you and, and not. I'm, but the thing is, is but the thing is, like, even if I am, at least I'm willing to say, hey, okay, let's let's give it a shot. Uh-huh. And let's see. Because I mean, I don't know fucking everything. Like, I just know like right. what I'd like to get out there. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Like, I'm not pretending to be anything except for I'd like to see this on screen. Right. That was it. I mean, we worked pretty smoothly. Um, I don't know if you had any issues on that set with cast or crew. Um, no. Well, let me think. I mean, there was one scene where one of the actors uh, needed help with their lines, but it was literally just the one scene, and we were able to we were able to help them with their lines while we were shooting. Um, that was not his fault. No, because he got the wrong script. Yes. So, and like I said, we were so ahead of schedule that he was able to take the time and it was horrible because i heard him rehearsing and i'm just like listening to him Mm -hmm. rehearse Mm -hmm. like he's running he's off script he knows his lines i remember i remember he would be walking around the studio like that main the main part of the studio not in the house right but the main part of the studio he was walking around saying his line but they were the wrong lines (laughs) so Mm. he needed help while we were shooting this scene 28 Pages? pages oh yeah shit. jimmy jimmy walked into the set James. this is a great story like literally i'm gonna set it up because it is fucking funny like myself my dp my producer uh her were getting ready for the day putting the shot list together what we're gonna do what we need and she got the sides together normally sides are what a page two maybe yeah. three tops maybe i mean two or three at the most and then so Jimmy bursts into the room. We're in the middle of the James meeting. Duvall. James, James sorry, Duvall. sorry. I act like I know him. James Duvall <laughs> bursts into the room, doesn't knock or anything, just twists the doorknob, bursts in and goes, "Um, excuse me. I asked for a sides, not a mini copy of the whole entire script. Thanks." And then turns nice. around and walks out. <laughs> we all died. We laughed so hard. It was the greatest <sighs> delivery and he did not come back. He delivered those lines yeah, and, and it was left. It was done. He was yeah. gone. He was yeah. gone. Yeah. He went to go look over his sides until we started shooting. It was yeah. great. It was the greatest entrance I've ever. I will never forget. That. Okay, so because like I'm kind of clouded on. I just asked you, hey, do you want to work on this film? No. What happened was I thought there was another project that was trying to. I can't remember that. I thought there was another project that was in the works. With you? Yeah, I don't know. I thought there was something else. Well, I know that you... So, you had originally told me that I would like to cast you for a movie, like, as an actor. Read the script and let me know which one stands out to you. Was this for Vinyl Redemption? Yeah. Hmm. I read it and was like, this character. This is the character I want. This is my character now. You can't give it to anyone else. So, after 
the vinyl redemption conversation, you and another producer approached me and told me that uh, you, you know what it was? I think it was because I like broke down the script or something like that for vinyl. Like, yeah, you know heavily. what? Because you had mentioned that you can break down a script. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And the other producer was kind of like, oh, well, we need help with that. Like I can do paperwork and I can do the legal stuff. But I can't, he was, he was still learning about production. Uh, this was, I don't know if it was the first thing he had really, it wasn't the first thing he had No, done, we had but, shot several yeah, shorts. But I think it was the biggest thing. Definitely the biggest. Yeah. So I think he just wanted more help. Not that he wasn't prepared or anything like that. He'd right. been working. He was prepared. It's just he saw that I could be of help. Yeah. So you two asked if I would help with production. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I will do all your script breakdowns. I will do... Everything. So I showed up, oh, I don't know, a week before with binders for everyone. And I'm, I'm, I go hard on my binders, my production. I'll have binders. to show you this thing. It's, I have, I have it. Yeah, I go hard. Uh, everything needs to be like alphabetized and the script needs to be in there. The script breakdowns need to be in there. My script breakdowns are pretty thorough. It's insane. It's, it's kind of bad. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not the greatest thing. It's not the greatest thing. Call sheets are in there. Oh. Actress profiles are in no, there. No, no. It is the greatest thing. Could be the greatest thing. <laughs> it is the greatest. It's literally like, I remember there was a joke. We, like a couple of us were referring to it as the set Bible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't remember See? That. No, you know you weren't privy to some of that oh, stuff. Okay, I, I know this was that. this was us. Yeah, yeah, because you're a girl. Exactly. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? See? See yeah. what I have to deal with? And this is never gonna end. This was this a is the people the I trust. Job too. This was. <laughs> These are the people I chose. It's just like wow. <laughs> Isn't she? Wasn't she the one who folded chairs? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah. No wonder. No, it was awesome because I mean we shot this thing. After about, what would you say? I know it was like day-wise, we were like, we worked for 28 days totally on, on the whole thing. But it's like, I mean, it was split up over a month or two of, because I know for yeah, me, as far as, as far as um, rehearsing and then building the set. Because yeah. I, I did a lot of like, I was my own production designer. I'm out looking for props. I'm we looking, did a lot of that. I'm looking for all kinds of set stuff, you know, pictures and this and that, you know, and um doing a lot of a lot of things like i remember finding a oven stove oh my god that was amazing i I think it was from like 1920 yeah something like that i remember seeing the pictures yeah like that's very rustic yeah you know that in there um as far and then building the cabinets like Mm -hmm. for the kitchen uh building a fireplace you know i remember driving out to like i don't know in the middle of fucking nowhere to buy mounted deer heads right oh, from yeah. these fucking crazy fucking people wow and they're just like what are you going to do with them and i remember telling the guy what would you like me to do with them <laughs> and he's like well i want you to hang them up in your house and look at them and love them every day the way i did and i said well that's what i'm going to do with them and he's yeah. like great and like we got them in the car and we got the fuck out of there right um that happened Quite a few times. Yeah, that story yeah. Can like, be translated to so many yeah, we did so did a lot of this. But then, as far as I'm in like, Psycho Town and Finkel's the mayor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did a as far as um, shoot days. Mm-hmm. Twelve shoot days or something. No, are you kidding me? Six days, dude. Oh, okay, what for the yeah, first yeah, like yeah, six right. days? We shot the that's whole goddamn right. movie in six. Because the first days. day, the first day, twenty four hours. We. The first day was 24 hours. So was remember? it the second day? We shot a lot of the end stuff. We shot that mm-hmm. almost the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And first. then we literally went out at the break of dawn and then shot 
more of the end of the oh, movie. That's right. And then we broke and then came back that Monday and finished the rest of everything else. And then because we lost that location, we actually went out a month or so later yep. and shot the other part yep. at another location an hour away. That's right. Yeah. So technically it was probably eight days. Yeah. The entire movie, we took eight days. But That's it was also, insane. it was, you oh, know. because we had Dean. Dean McDermott. Yeah. Yeah. Dean showed up to do, so yeah. Yeah. Eight. And it was funny because, you know, Dean, like, dude, he's such a, he's such a good guy. Mm-hmm. He was so down to earth. And I, yeah, and, and I was like, um, okay, so we're going to shoot this stuff with you, like this, and you have to walk up, do this thing, and then boom, 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 I'm going to wrap you up. And then we can transpose you to wherever you need to go. Right. You know, hotel, whatnot. Okay, cool. So we shoot this scene. And we did it a few different times, you know, the fucking close up, the wide, all, you know, all the coverage we needed. Then we wrap him out and he's like, but I read the script and, but there's a scene of the guy wearing the mask. Like he hits like this thing and this happens and who's doing that? I'm like, oh, we're just going to get a stand in. He's like, can I do it? Oh, wow. (laughs) And we're like, but it's not till tonight. Yeah. He's like, I don't care. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And again, uh, Greg Dow, who I've worked with on Vinyl Redemption, the, the, the first short and then a couple other shorts. And he, he was like, is, is he really staying here just to do this in a mask and no one's going to see him? And I was like, yeah. He's like, this dude is fucking awesome. That's pretty rad. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have this great footage of them. You, I don't think you remember of them dancing. Dean's I in the mask. There were a, there was a lot of. Da- oh, yeah. Dean's in the mask in yeah. front of Greg and they're dancing. It's the fucking great. It's like Tell going. Me why. There it's was like so much dancing. Bonus, it's like bonus feature heaven, the shit yeah. that we have. So, but you know, it was so much fun. Like work, you know, working with her on the professional level that we did. Um, it was it was really nice. Mm-hmm. I had seen her act, so I knew she could act. Yeah. So that's why, you know, we had discussed previously doing the vinyl redemption. I'll, I'll send you my real Jace. Please do. I don't think you've ever seen anything of mine. Um, no, I don't think so. I think you... I'll tell you this. What is it? My... My, my roommate's a vampire. Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. Also, if you look up The Shift, that's available and that's a full... And you know what? I'm going to tell you about The Shift is something I never do. I actually went with her. Yeah. To the premiere. Really? And I do not do that. Yeah. Okay. And it's not because I think I'm great. It's because I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> That's so true. Okay, I am lazy. I'm like, you know what? Send it to me and I'll watch it while laying down. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that, like, and it, you know what? It, but it was, she did a great job. Cool. Like, like she did a really, really great job. Very cool. You know, and that was the same thing. I asked for her reel too. And then I showed, I showed a couple of the other guys and they were like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's his. And this is after Garlic that I had got the reel. Mm-hmm. And I had, sh- I think I'd already had the reel, and I think I showed them when I said, "Hey, I want to bring her on," because mm-hmm. I remember one person oh, was like, um, "No, she likes me." Well, uh, <laughs> wait, you, no, you no, 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 wait, wait, just no. Just quick shout out to Matt Sconce for making my reel for me. He was like, "You're struggling, hmm. and you're. I know that you need help." And <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And I'll help you out with your reel, so you. That's can- cool. So if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gotten majority of the jobs I got. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Is like it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I showed them the the reel, mm-hmm. and they were like, like I said, mm-hmm. was like, but she's like super talented. Why the fuck would she want to do this? Right. Which was really funny, kidding. and I'm I was just, just like, 
Okay, then I don't want her at all. (laughs) (laughs) She can fuck off. Go back to Fresno. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Go look for Bigfoot. You know what's funny? (laughs) There was was a director, because I was working on Paranormal Central, and for, I mean... I was working on a sh- something. I think I was working on Paranormal Central. And there was someone who was who needed help on set or something. And I showed up to help. And they were literally like, why are you doing this? You have your own show to shoot. Why are you doing this? And I was like, what? This just goes back to like, I really wanted to be a filmmaker. I still really love filmmaking. I, if I could do it 24-7, I absolutely would. Having said that. I mean, I need breaks sometimes. Like, what do you really want to do in this business? That's such a hard question. Because I've been asked that so much. And I don't want to choose. I want to do. Well, I guess there's three things that I really want to do. I want to direct. I want to produce. But I want to act too. And I don't want to act in the things that I direct and produce. I want it. Kind of like you said, I want it to be separate. I would like to be cast as an actor because someone appreciates whatever it is that I can offer and wants to cast me in their film. Mm -hmm. But I also want to work on my own projects. But I want creative control on my projects to where I would like to produce it if I'm going to direct it. And I don't really want to like, I mean, I don't know if anyone would want to direct my project other than me. You know, it's just something I'm passionate about, something that I put together. So if I'm going to direct it, I also want to produce it. Do you write? I I want to say no, because this is going to sound really bad, but I bring my ideas to Brad (laughs) and he is a professional writer. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Yep. He um, is registered with weird. the WGA. He's like <laughs> legitimately, he's been a professional for like m- m- longer than Don't say I've been that. a working professional. So, well, he is extremely old. Yeah, yeah. You are ancient. Yes. <laughs> but yes. yeah, so, I just. The silver fox. Over actually, here. you yes. know what? This is funny. Brad and I were talking about this earlier. I was telling, and you were there for this conversation. Mm-hmm. We were saying, oh, I would love to learn how to do this or that as far as editing goes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, are you ever going to edit one of your own thing? I'm like, no, I'm going to have you edit. I'm not stupid. You you edit so well. I'm not, I'm not going to edit. I mean, I want to know the ins and outs of it because maybe that'll help with shooting. I mean, maybe there's some knowledge I can take from that and apply it to. Yeah. As a director. Yeah. As a director. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's good to have the knowledge of yeah. editing. And I, I know little. I mean, I know how to edit a little. I mean, I, I stayed up. With Chris, when he was editing the Paranormal Central show, I was there every second. Yeah, he edited the whole sure. entire. So you the got whole entire thing. You got to see the process. Yeah. To, you know. So then Absolutely. I'm gonna propose this. Okay. Okay. I'll Get propose, off your knee. I'll propose this. Stupid. <laughs> this fucking asshole. <laughs> Why don't we? Since he wants to, you know jump in a little more as a as a producer mm-hmm. why don't we shoot your short i would love to do that I've... so we'll have him produce it mm-hmm. and then whatever you need for me to do mm-hmm. like fold chairs crafty just cables stand, just stand out in the rain whatever just i can stand, stand in the rain <laughs> just stand there as like long a, as you because i obviously wasn't working that as day. long as you bitch to and, someone about and we'll the wrong about doings yeah, yeah and dock, dock my pay <laughs> dock about pay. just a quarter yeah, just a little you're bit you're working um, for free yeah, just do that. But it's like, why not? Why not? Because you know what sucks? What really, really fucking sucks is after we wrote that script, mm-hmm. we went and we had a meeting with, uh, what is her name? Gabriela Banuelos. Oh, I liked her. I would love to work with her. Yeah, we ca- we went and we had a meeting with her up in LA mm-hmm. about this and she was down. She wanted to do it. She was and excited it, you know, to be playing a role that was out of her character. Right. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't too much longer after that COVID hit. Yeah, it was because we originally were going to... Who else was going to be in that? We had gotten... People had agreed to be in that. Darren Miller. Oh, 
Jeez. Probably not gonna, that's probably not going to happen now. How, why not? He said, yeah, he wanted to do it. Like, I, he would do it. I, have the, I have the email from Darren when I was like, hey, do you want to do this? And he was like, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that'd, be, that'd be amazing. It was, remember, because it, it was Darren, Darren and Johnny. And Johnny. Yeah. I know Johnny would still do it. Of if course I, if Johnny I a, would yeah, do it. Johnny. So I think maybe it's one of those things where we not, why not just make this film? I mean. Because James, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's been a minute. For me being on set, Mm -hmm. you know, because as the audience knows, he and I are sort of just getting back into the film industry after all these ups and downs and highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And this is our first attempt uh, starting the podcast as far as getting back into into film. Right. So why not make a film? You know, it's something that we could do quick, fun show. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could even do it. On his next time out, we take we do pre production. Yeah, you know, let's plan it ahead of time. Yeah, sounds good. So we'll get that off air. But it was born here, so there's documentation. Yeah. Now what are you doing? Uh, right now, I am are helping you just... produce this podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is glad a big... Glad you said that. Yeah, I mean, this is the front runner in my life right now. This is something we are actively doing right now. Yeah. There is another film we are working on called Vinyl Redemption that is in pre-pre-pre-production. So please tell me what we're doing with that. So this one, we're going to kick off an Indiegogo campaign soon. I'm just waiting to hear back. Uh, We have a lot of really amazing actors already locked in. So I'm just confirming all of the cool little packages that we're going to do with the actors before launching our Indiegogo. So once we do that, we'll have things available like for 10 bucks, you can get like a special thank you on IMDb or for more expensive, expensive price you could possibly get props from the movie possibly like dinner with some of the actors i mean there's going to be a lot of different things i just got to lock down exactly who's doing what before we launch the indiegogo campaign so we're doing that we're working on that right now after the production side of that is done i'm going to do the script breakdowns and then take my hands off of that and concentrate on just memorizing my lines because like I said, I'm a big fan of the Meisner method, which is memorize, do it over and over and over again, and then forget. So that way when you're on set, you just react, but it's still in your head because you right. did it so many times. Sure. I'm a big fan of that method. So that's what I'm going to, I'm going to be working on that. Now that we're all starting, re- kind of restarting our filmmaking journey after COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things I would like to, <clears throat> to do along the lines of that. Um, so you're staying active. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, cool. None well, of us were dormant for long. No, we weren't. No, no we weren't. Which is a good thing. No, after uh, I moved here, I don't know if you remember, I did one other shoot before COVID hit. It was in the Mojave Desert. I mean, we've all been active. We've all stayed active. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. COVID really did put a stop to things. Mm-hmm. So now it seems as though a lot of the restrictions are gone. They hopefully knock on wood. They will not be coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Sorry can... about that. <laughs> I needed them to hear. Yeah, and they did. Dum, dum, dum. Um, hey, that's that's awesome. Well, honestly, I thought it was a great time with you today. Thanks, same. We're very honored to have you as our first guest. And honest, honestly, all jokes aside, fifty one ninety five podcast couldn't run as smoothly or as as cool visually, socially, without you. Aww. So we're very. We're very honored to have you as part of the team and uh, making sure that we're you're a vital part of our success. Thank you. Genuinely, no kissing ass. I am really excited. I'm very grateful that you guys let me be a part of this. No, I think it's going to be awesome. So, no, and yeah, hopefully you'll come back. 
Yeah. Yeah, whenever, uh, you know, the opportunity is right, let me know. Absolutely. Yeah. Until then, I will be doing behind-the-scenes work for you guys. Super cool. Those of you who follow us on all our socials, that's her work. That's her work right there. And uh... You're talking to me. So if you message them on social, just know <laughs> yeah. you're talking to me. I will make sure they get the message and they will respond that I'm going to be doing. 5195podcast at gmail.com for all hate mail. Please put in the subject heading, this is for Brad Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad we have you on hand as, a, uh, as our producer because, uh, like, like I said, you make the script Bibles. Yeah, I didn't know that was a, yeah. an amazing thing. And I mean, who better for that kind of meticulous work ethic to help us keep this running smoothly. And, uh, you know, we're very grateful to have you. Yeah, Thanks. same. All right. Well, cool. Until next time. See you guys.